The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The Realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Welcome. It's wonderful to have you. Tonight's show is very, very interesting for me, and I hope for you as well, because I want you to really go deep as to where your beliefs lie, what your view is and your perception, and also some of the beliefs you came in with growing up and if those need to continue, or as you move forward, if we need to pass something different on to those generations that are coming after us. Many people are involved in their own religion, and some people are fundamentalists, some people are very broad-based, some people know it very, very slightly, then there's mysticism. And many people don't know the difference between fundamentalism and mysticism, whether mystical Christianity is the same thing as regular Christianity, and what lies in between. And for that matter, then where does the rest of the world fit into all of this, or even nature? How do we make sense of what religion now means based on what it was in the past and what the young people that are now coming up seem to view it as? I hope that tonight will be an in-depth conversation for you to be able to reevaluate how you feel about your own belief systems, where they're going, and how broad-based that you can help in inspiring young people to anchor into something that really supports them in living healthier lives and having a healthier version of religion. My guest today is Matthew Fox. He is the author of 28 books, including The Original Blessing, which just got translated into Italian, The Reinvention of Work, The Hidden Spirituality of Men, and most recently, Christian Mystics. He holds a doctorate in the history of the- and theology of spirituality from the Institut Catholique de Paris the founder of the University of Creation Spirituality in California. He conducts dozens of workshops each year and is a visiting scholar with the Academy for the Love of Learning. I want to, first, before I have him step on the on the show, I'd like to let you know kind of what his mission and vision is for this book, because I found this to be very profound, and I think we as individuals, if we can look at religion, mysticism, spirituality in this way, it allows us to move it just from our own experience of it to a broader sense of what humanity can now do. Matthew Fox dedicates this book to the young. They deserve and require a healthier version of religion, one that celebrates the depths of mysticism, love of the earth and the body, and a fierce commitment to community, compassion, celebrative rituals, and justice-making. They deserve a religion that is both simpler and more open to wisdom from all the world's spiritual traditions. May the mystics and meditations in the book Christian Mystics assist us all in reawakening the depths of our faith traditions, whatever they may be. 
May we travel lighter but stronger into a future worthy of our nobility as a species and worthy of the beauty of this wounded planet. And these are the words of Matthew Fox. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Matthew to 1111 Talk Radio. Well, Simran, I'm happy to be with you. Well, thank you so much. I found this to be really beautiful, and as a lover of all the religions, uh, and, and really having done my own deep, deep spiritual work and just fallen in love, drunken with love, as you, as you speak about so much as well, I am anxious to let people really explore whether they have a good understanding of what these different things are and, and allow us to give them a good understanding. So first and foremost, um, aside from what I just read in you wanting to write this book, was there any impetus in you really putting it together in the way that you did? Well, I've been working for 40 years and trying to um, uh, bring the treasures out of the Christian church uh, that are hidden there, that are the, the best things that Christianity has to offer, and things that are often neglected. And I think that the mystics, whom I've been translating, like Odegaard at Megan and Meister Eckhart and Matilda Magdeburg and, and Thomas Aquinas and, and others, and also the Jesus himself, um, these mystics are often uh, ignored in our religious discourse and debate. Uh, many Christians do not know their mystical tradition at all, and that's really a pity because um, <clears throat> one contemporary biblical scholar, John Dominic Fawson, says in his recent book on St. Paul that for St. Paul, who was, of course, the first Christian theologian and the first writer in the Christian Bible, for St. Paul, you cannot be a Christian without being a mystic, he writes. My goodness, that would mean that a lot of Christians are not really Christian yet until they get in touch with their own mystical experience and see it in um, connection with the mysticism of Jesus and others in our lineage. And there may be many that are asking them, what is mysticism or what does it mean to be a mystic? Well, um, mysticism is the experiences of unity that we have with creation, uh, with our our ancestors, and with the Creator, and with Spirit. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, it's like the Bible says, taste and see that God is good. There's a certain tasting that goes on. And uh, we should pay attention to these deep experiences of unity uh, that we have, because this is really the source of all healthy religion. Well, and I find that a lot of people, if, if you talk to them about religion, you get kind of a spectrum. You get some that are extremely passionate about it. Then you have others that just, you know, have their practice of it, regardless of what religion. I'm, I'm not talking just specifically of Christianity, but of any religion. Some just show up uh, simply because it's what they're supposed to do. And then there are others, and many of our young people, that know it's something that exists but really don't have a meaning placed on it. And then there's actually a group of young people that, move beyond that and truly sense the the connectedness of nature and spirituality and mysticism, and they really have an underlying sense of it. So are we disconnected when we uh, are just reading the books or just showing up? Have we totally locked mysticism out of our life in that particular case? Well, one problem we have is that uh, most of our ministers and priests and rabbis have not been trained in their own mystical traditions. And so the, the, the so-called religious leadership is wanting in this regard. Um, that's one of the big problems we have. Most seminaries uh, do not teach. Frankly, they do not know how to teach, and they do not know the mystical tradition. 
And another dimension of mysticism is that it leads to social justice and to prophetic action, to works of compassion and justice. Uh, the American philosopher William Hawking said about 100 years ago, he said, uh, the prophet is a mystic in action. And so the, the unity, the unitive experiences that we have in a deep way in religion, and as you say, this is not just a Christian thing, mysticism is found in all the world religions. Uh, but I'm dealing with the Christian tradition for several reasons. One is that, of course, in the West, this is the dominant uh, tradition. And secondly, um, it's my tradition, so I have a right and a responsibility to stir these things up for, for, for my tradition. Um, but thirdly, because so many Christians are, are illiterate, frankly, mystically illiterate about their uh, mystical tradition. And, um, and this is, is really a shame. This means that Christianity gets involved in lots of you know, intellectual battles and so forth that really don't have anything to do with the essence of uh, who Jesus was and what Jesus was really trying to teach us. So what is the difference between mystical Christianity and regular Christianity? What are the core differences? Mysticism is about depth. It's about these deep experiences of unity we have, of awe and wonder, and, and therefore a sense of reverence and gratitude. It's also about the depth experience of grief and, and suffering and letting go. It's about the depth experience of our creativity, experience of creativity is for many people, the experience of the, of the Holy Spirit really working through them. And finally, it's the depth experience of uh, justice and compassion, and uh, which is, of course, that Jesus taught when he said, be you compassionate as creator in heaven is compassionate. In other words, that is our divinity. We're like God to the extent that we're compassionate. So all those four dimensions, I call it the via positiva, the via negativa, the via creativa, the via transformativa, those are traditional names for this in Latin, <laughs> I apologize, uh, but these dimensions are found, I think, in all authentic mysticism, um, Christian or not. Another thing is, too, that many young people who are serious about mystical spirits in the West think they have to go East. They have to um, learn mysticism from Hinduism or from Buddhism or from some other tradition and, of course, they're welcome to do that, and, and many learn a lot from that. But unfortunately, obviously, the majority of the population is not going to go east uh, to learn the depths of religion. They should be looking deeper into their own Western tradition, whether it's Jewish or Christian or what have you, um, and find these elements of mysticism there. Well, and what it sounds like to me is if, if we're looking at, and, and this is a generalization, it's not pinpointing every single person, but it, it seems like the difference between being in the head and taking that 13-inch mystical highway down to the heart, and, and rather than making everything a thought concept and really stuck in that place in the brain, we're actually bringing the teachings deeper into the heart so that we feel them and sense them and, and understand them in a much deeper way that we can open the door to mystical encounters and just an understanding of what these mystics were trying to say to us. Exactly. And so, in other words, um, spirituality is about practice, not just uh, thinking, as you say. And so to, to find practices that take you into the heart, because mysticism is about uh, the heart knowledge uh, and not just head knowledge. And so uh, here's one practical practice that I've been teaching people lately, and that is to chant um, 
phrases from the scriptures instead of just arguing about them or thinking about them or or of translating them. For example, to chant Jesus' words, oh, the kingdom of God is within me, the kingdom of God is within me, or the kingdom of God is among us, which is an equally valid translation, to chant those, turn them into mantras, is very, very powerful, especially if you do it in a group, where, which I've done frequently, um, or many, many other teachings of Jesus. For example, the wonderful teaching about when you do it to one of these, at least to my brothers, you do it to me. Um, you can shorten that more bumper sticker size and say something like, uh, do, it, do it to the least, you do it to me. Do it to the least, you do it to me. And to chant that again uh, is a wonderful way to awaken the heart, as you say. And, to, uh, and again, there's so many sayings, not just from Jesus, but from these wonderful myst- other mystics that I've gathered. So the book begins with Jesus. Um, all these things are so worthy of, uh, of chanting and, as you say, taking us into the heart. My guest today is Matthew Fox. He is the author of a wonderful new book entitled Christian Mystics. It explores 365 readings and meditations that celebrate the mystical path. Matthew Fox, as a member of the Catholic Dominican Order for 34 years, held closely to the mystical teachings of Christianity, teachings that embrace the feminine, the natural word, and social justice in its vision of the sacred. This vision continually put him at odds with the Vatican, and in 1998 he was expelled from the Order by Cardinal Ratzinger, now Pope Benedict. Fox believes the Church patriarchal hierarchy and rigidity, what he calls its institutional churchiness, obscures mystical Christianity's most beneficial and essential teachings, which inevitably arise out of a personal experience with the divine. Uh, We will be right back with Matthew Fox. You can connect with him at MatthewFox.org. That's MatthewFox.org. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. What I want to be when I grow up by Johnny Mike. Dad, it's John. I got the promotion. 
We'll call him John Jr. You'll speak over 500 million words in your lifetime, but none of them will be as important as the words you use to tell your six-year-old he has cancer. CureSearch.org connects you to the most comprehensive research and advice on childhood cancer and to other families who know exactly what you're going through. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. A true religious renewal, according to Matthew Fox, can only arise through the mystical dimension of faith. In his new book, Christian Mystics, he offers a wide-ranging collection of quotations from Christianity's greatest mystics and prophets of the past 2,000 years. He explores and celebrates the mystical path with insightful commentary on the thoughts and revelations of some of the history's greatest religious visionaries. How are you treating your religion? Are you taking it to heart? That is the direction that we have to go, out of the head and into the heart. And Nicholas of Cusa uh, also felt the same way. I will read a small segment out of Matthew Fox's book. Wisdom is shouting in the streets. It's simply not enough for those seeking wisdom merely to read about it. Wisdom must be discovered. And once discovered, it must be learned by the heart. You will not find wisdom in your books. For it is not of your books, but of the books of our God, Goddess. What are these books? They are those which the Divine has written with her own finger. Where can they be found? Everywhere. We really do have to go into the heart. And you made a comment about people, um, some people from the West going to the East to try to find that mysticism and to try to find their connection And I'd like to talk a little bit about that since we were talking about the brain and the heart. Do you think that that occurs, or it seems to me that it occurs, because uh, oftentimes in the East it is about being present, it is about getting into the heart, it is about stopping the mind, quieting the mind. And so what they're really seeking is that experience, and that experience can exist right here in regular Christianity if we allow ourselves to stop and really take it deeper. Well, that's right, and um, it's amazing with some of these uh, Western mystics that I I quote here that they're teaching very uh, Buddhist-like teachings. For example, Meister Eckhart, the great 14th century Dominican, but also his predecessor, Thomas Aquinas, in the 13th century, they both talk about um, emptying the mind and being still without mind and and, uh, and, uh, praying to God as God is a not-God and a not-thing. Uh, and a not-person, and so forth. So this is very, very Buddhist language, and yet they never read any Buddhism. There were no Buddhists in Germany in in their lifetime. So what can we say? What what it means is, one, of course, that Buddhism has gone to a very great depth to have discovered something that is universal, and that is that we do have to quiet our minds on a regular basis. But also, our own Christian ancestors have been to the very place that many uh, Buddhist monks uh, have gone as well. So uh, that's pretty exciting, really. In the times in which we live, where we are rubbing shoulders with uh, Buddhists and Sufis and 
Jewish people and Christian people and and uh, Hindus and so forth and indigenous people, it's a wonderful moment really in history because uh, this common wisdom that Nicholas of Cusa wrote about in the 15th century, uh, this wisdom is available uh, uh, through many sources. Well, and I have always believed that all of the religions that are on the planet are simply pathways, and there are truths that exist in every single one that are the same. And so it only makes sense that what the mystics were saying would align with what the Buddhists were saying, would align with what you can read in Hindu mythology and sacred scripture. It just, if if you look at it, truly look at it, truly study it, you will find all of those pearls in every single one. So we can stick with what we are. We just have to go deeper. We have to allow ourselves to fall in love with what exists for us. That's right. And I I wrote about that at length in my book, One River, Many Wells. And I I get the name of the book from Meister Eckhart, who says that God is a great underground river that no one can dam up and no one can stop. So my idea is that there are many wells into that underground river. There's Christianity in that well, and there's a Jewish well, and the Buddhist well, and the Hindu well, and, and so forth. Many wells, but they all go to the same river. And the problem is that we, we humans often fight wars at the top of the well instead of plummeting the well uh, and finding, going down to that source and, and taking the trip, taking the journey um, that we need to take to find out what, what life is really about and what uh, the spiritual life is really about. And that, that, I really like that, the wells to many river. That's really wonderful. How does religion in the West then need to change? Is there, are there certain things that would really allow it to go deeper, to, to let people understand it in a more deep way? Because there seems to be a war kind of going on between religion and spirituality, or there's people kind of bucking, well, do I really, I don't know that I want to call myself religious anymore, I don't know that I want to go to church anymore, and yet there's also this side of them that says, well, I'm not quite sure what spirituality really means either. So what do we need to do in Western culture to change it and really reopen the doors to let people feel a desire to really embrace and dive in? Well, that's a a big question, of course, but some of the things we have to do is we have to um, let go of an all-male deity, an all-male god. Um, patriarchy by itself is not compatible with uh, the real experience of the divine because whether you use the phrase yin-yang or sacred masculine and divine feminine um, or mother and father god, we have to find that balance again. Uh, our culture in the West has been out of balance for hundreds of years, far too patriarchal and too male-oriented. And uh, uh, we project this onto divinity, too. too. But my most recent book called The Hidden Spirituality of Men, I address the whole issue of the sacred masculine and how to balance that with the divine feminine, because uh, that's what we need is a new balance. So that's one thing. The other thing is just what we've been talking about, getting out of our heads, that the... Uh, the right hemisphere of our brain, uh, which actually uh, operates the heart because the heart is on the left side of the body and the right side of the brain operates the left side of the body, uh, the right side of the brain is, is neglected in most of our education. Uh, we're, we're too text-oriented and too verbal and too book-oriented, really. Now, I mean, I love books. I've written 30 of them. <laughs> Some people read them, and I love reading books. But... <laughs> Books are not enough. Just like Nicholas Acuza said in the 15th century, as you read, 
we have to explore the heart, and uh, that includes issues of, of, of love and, and feeling and compassion, but also issues of anger, moral outrage, and so forth, and sorrow. The whole issue of grieving, for example, very important. We're not doing enough of that in our churches or synagogues or, or society. And there's so much to grieve today with the disappearance of the of so many species and uh, the forests and so forth. There's just a lot to grieve, and we need to grieve in order to uh, become strong enough to develop the creativity that is going to heal, that can heal and, and, and save our our planet and ourselves. And the left brain approach is really why um, many people might even be finding religion boring, because they really are just going at it from that one place. It's only when we get into the heart that we actually get into the adventure and the inner exploration. Well, that's right. And uh, there's another issue having to do with that, and that is our forms of worship. Too often our, our worship is about reading, being read to, or being preached at. And frankly, people find that boring, especially young people because we're living in an age where um, uh, uh, the rediscovery of dance as worship has a very important role to play. So I've been um, working a lot since I became an Episcopal priest when the Pope fired me uh, with young people to develop what we call the Cosmic Mass. People can go online uh, to my webpage and find this. as a 15-minute film that Canadian television did of our Mass. We've had over 90 of these Masses in North America, and um, instead of sitting in benches and being read to, we're dancing and we're using uh, DJs and VJs and rap and so forth. And, and you're dancing in the presence of images um, on screens that tell the story of the theme of the Mass, whether it's the return of the Divine Feminine or the, the celebration of the, of the black diaspora, the, the history of black people in America or of Celtic people. Uh, uh, or if it's a, a mass around animals, for example, sacredness of animals, whatever it is. But we're using images instead of preachers to and dancing these images into our hearts. Now, that's a wonderful way, a practical way, you see. Um, remember that the first chakra is connects us to the earth. And so uh, dancing as prayer is a very ancient way to pray. In, in Africa, for example... The word for spirit is identical to the word for, in many of the languages there, uh, to uh, the word for dance and, and for uh, breath. And, of course, in, in the Bible and in many languages of the, word, of the world, breath and spirit are the same words. And so to get your breath going, which you have to do if you dance, is also to bring spirit in. So ritual, therefore, ceremony and, and worship is a wonderful way, and it's fun. It's not only deep and profound, it's fun and it's beautiful to dance with uh, communities uh, in a community like that. And we find that because this form is so welcome, not only do Christians show up for these masses, but also um, uh, Buddhists have shown up, Jews, uh, uh, pagans, uh, goddess worshippers. It's very ecumenical and therefore, I think, very, very real because we live in a world uh, of people from many, many spiritual traditions. Absolutely. My guest today is Matthew Fox. He's the author of over 30 books, including The Original Blessing, The Reinvention of Work, The Hidden Spirituality of Men, and most recently, Christian Mystics. 
Einstein is not alone. Fox points out that the education and religion in the West have primarily been hostile towards mysticism since the 16th century. This academic and left-brain approach is the reason so many find religion so boring. He says because it lacks the adventure and inner exploration that our souls yearn for. There have been studies going on that prove that going forward, the business models that are applied to by the left brain will fail. It is those that utilize the right brain of the individuals within the organizations are the ones that actually have the success factor and the passion power. This same holds true for religion. Our churches are also business institutions, and we have to now incorporate that right brain approach to that so that we involve dance, song, visual imagery, and community to create the kind of new mystical Christianity and mystical religions of the world. I'll be right back with Matthew Fox. His website is matthewfox.org, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-F-O-X.org. Be Extraordinary Seventh Wave Network Experience higher love, an archangelic journey into ascended joy and authentic living. Your hosts, Sri Ram Ka and Kira Ra, will assist you to open your heart, expand your love, and be ever-present with true joy. Your journey with Sri and Kira begins right here on the 7th Wave Network with Higher Love, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. The results indicate your child has neuroblastoma. There's evidence of metastasis. We need to schedule a bone we'll need to perform a surgery. After you hear your child has cancer, chances are you don't hear anything else. CureSearch.org connects you to the most comprehensive research and advice on childhood cancer and to other families who know exactly what you're going through. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening 
1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. There are many beautiful statements in Matthew Fox's book, Christian Mystics, 365 Readings and Meditations. William Everson is one that has been written about, and he writes, I am thinking more and more that God will not judge us either for the good or the evil that we have done, but simply for whether we have been capable of accepting God's love and transmitting it to other people. Yes, I must begin by giving thanks to God for everything, because really everything has been the grace of God, and above all, for what final great grace that has been now ten years in a row of suffering, of struggles, of persecutions, of anguish, of throbbing, of enthusiasms, of people, of church, of faith, of hope, in this beloved Mato Grosso, this Amazonia, this Church of Brazil, of Latin America, and I apologize, that's Bishop Pedro Casal de Liga. Yes, Bishop Casadaliga is a, a wonderful man, a very holy man, a poet, a mystic, and a prophet. He stood up to the corporations that were tearing down the rainforest in the Amazon because that is where his parish is, his, his diocese. And I had the privilege of um, meeting him there for about five days and, and uh, hearing the stories and meeting his the workers, working with indigenous people in the Amazon and so forth. But he had to fight the... Um, the church. He had to fight the Pope. Uh, they actually silenced him. Yes, Cardinal Ratzinger silenced him, a bishop, uh, because he was speaking out against the military and on behalf of the indigenous people so much. And um, bless his, his soul. He's, he's, he's one of the great uh, leaders of the um, base community movement in Latin America, the liberation theology movement in Latin America, which was, of course, um, shot down by uh, the, the last pope and the present one working together. It's a real pity, because I consider that movement to be one of the greatest accomplishments of, of Christ-like um, living and working and struggle uh, of the last 500 years. And that brings about two points I'd like to discuss. Number one is, it seems that sometimes the struggle that does come about, the causes the sacred activism that we are to partake in in our lives shows up, in a sense, to deepen our connection, to allow us to go inside, to help us make meaning and allow our souls to have purpose. Is this part of the path of the mystic, to, to say yes to these things and allow ourselves to uh, allow our heart to break enough, to, to want to touch and hold and, and cherish something enough to try to help it heal? Well, certainly the... The struggles in our life, and certainly the struggle for justice, is uh, going to cost us something. And it may cost us friends, it may cost us our reputation. Speaking uh, for myself, it cost me my job when the Pope fired me from being a, a Dominican friar after 34 years. Um, but um, uh, as Martin Luther King said, you have to love something more than the fear of death if you're going to live. You have to love something more than losing your job or what have you, if you're going to really stand up with integrity for what you believe in. And as you say, the, the struggle itself is part of the journey. Uh, the Native Americans have a wonderful 
teaching in which they say you should pray for your, uh, a, a thank you prayer for your enemies every day because your enemies uh, help you to be stronger. They help you to purify your intention and, um, and to, to be uh, persevering in your best work. So clearly the struggle, and that's part of what the mist called the via negativa, the dark night of the soul and so forth, as you say. See, there are really three ways to enter the human heart, I think. One is through joy, one is through grief, and another is through silence. And um, <laughs> the struggle is, uh, is part of that, too. Uh, as I said the, earlier, the struggle for compassion and justice is part of the divine path. And well, and I think we are... about that, and he, he lived it and he died it. I mean, he was killed because he took on the Roman Empire in his day. It was that simple. And I like what you said, that the way to get into the heart is joy, grief, or silence. And I think we have come through much of our history in, unfortunately, experiencing a lot of the opening of the heart through things like grief um, and also having to go into silence. But I feel as if the energies, the world, everything is changing, even with everything going on around us, to where we can choose joy as the new pathway to the heart, rather than having to experience the struggles and the pain. Well, I, I don't agree. Uh, I think it has to be both. I mean, there's so much struggle. Look at what's happening in Japan right now. Sure. And the fact that uh, our oceans are, are becoming um, depleted of, of fish, and, uh, uh, and the polar bears are disappearing and so forth. I mean, compassion means that we do identify, in fact, using Christian terminology, that the, the disappearance of species and of rainforest and of soil and so forth, this is the Christ being crucified all over again. And so the, the path of, of darkness and suffering is, is very real today, and we have to be careful to pay attention to it. Otherwise, we do, our culture teaches us, of course, to take a pill or, or go shopping uh, uh, when there's tragedy. But that's not what the mystics teach. They teach us to go into the darkness there's something to be learned in the dark near the soul that cannot be learned any other place. And that often is uh, teachings of wisdom and of compassion. So I think we need to explore both the path of light and joy, but also the path of, of darkness. Because if we don't grieve and deal with our grief, then we're stuck in anger. Because the first level of grief is anger. Absolutely. And you see Absolutely. a lot of these fanatical religious people, including, of course, the suicide bombers, um, uh, from the Middle East, these people are, are obviously um, uh, wrapped up in anger. And we have to go deeper than anger. Sorrow is deeper than anger. If we go allow ourselves to go into the sorrow, and then we will be experiencing kind of emptying. That is what the mystics talk about, and it's like a, a rebirth for us. It's, it's refreshing. And then we can uh, be energized by the creativity that flows. Well, and that joy that I spoke of, it wasn't the joy of I'm happy all the time and I'm going to ignore everything. It's the joy of being able to recognize that every single thing that exists is divinity. It's that fish that's suffering. It's the the, the trees that are, are being cut. It is people that are having hardship and then being able to go back with that compassion. It's not that pain won't exist, but it's how we handle the pain that can change. Exactly. And... and and the fact that joy and goodness is greater than uh, suffering and pain. Uh, Rabbi Zama Shachner says, uh, there's more good than evil in the world, but not by much. 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> be close. But, well, uh, that's right. We do have to tap in the joy, and ultimately, it's the joy that gives you the strength to face the darkness and to um, uh, heal uh, the, the suffering. Well, and on that note, I have a I have a deep question for you, um, and, and also based on the story of the bishop. There has been movies and talk about and, and a lot of books written about the conspiracies that the church, the people of power within the church have wanted to hold, and they keep certain things in place. And is that an issue that is still continuing? Has, is it lessening? And is that part of the reason that people have not gotten into their own mystical encounter of Christianity or other world religions? Well, I do think that the over-institutionalization, the over churchiness um, of uh, organized religion definitely can interfere with the real meaning of religion and the real purpose and the experiential dimension of mysticism and the prophetic, that is, the work for social justice that flows from it. No question about it. And um, especially in our time, I think the the last two popes have been uh, especially taking us on a, on a detour from the heart essence of of Jesus teaching and um, into some areas of extreme right wing uh, uh, teachings such as opus dei and communion liberation and and uh, legion of Christ, which are very very uber right uh, sectarian groups that the last two papacies have encouraged at the same time that they're discouraging liberation theology and Based communities, and this is really very scary because these groups do not stand for for justice, and um, therefore they don't stand for what Jesus taught. So yes, religion itself can create its own ego. There is such a thing as an ecclesial ego. I even say in my new book that there's such a thing as ecclesiolatry. Uh, the word ecclesial means church. So uh, we can so focus on the church or religion that it becomes an idol. And the spirit has no room to really flow. So I've just written a new book uh, called The Pope's War, how Cardinal Ratzinger's 30-year crusade has, has uh, uh, destroyed the church and what can be saved, imperiled the church and what can be saved. And this book will come out in a month or so, but I do go through uh, many instances in which churchiness those at the top of church ladders are just are really um, doing a disservice. Spirit of Jesus. I was just in Rome this weekend because I just translated my original blessing into Italian. And one thing we did, we went to the Basilica. Whoops, my phone's ringing here. The Basilica of um, where Cardinal Law is um, Cardinal in. Um, I was, uh, I pounded my 95 theses that I pounded at Wittenberg five years ago when Cardinal Ratzinger was made Pope. I pounded them there in front of this big church and called for a new reformation. And um, it got a lot of attention in the Roman Italian press because um, we need a new reformation. Both Protestant and Catholic churches are failing us today. The young people need a healthier religion. The young people need a healthier religion. My guest today is Matthew Fox, author of Christian Mystics and also the new book coming out, The Pope's War. You can connect with him at MatthewFox.org, and we'll have a little more discussion on The Pope's War when we return in just a minute. 
Awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. Just what is Skills USA? Skills USA specifically prepares you for the workforce. Skills USA empowers students to connect with a network of people. Skills USA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. Find out more on the web at skillsusa.org. Experience higher love, an archangelic journey into ascended joy and authentic living. Your hosts, Sri Ram Ka and Kira Ra, will assist you to open your heart, expand your love, and be ever-present with true joy. Your journey with Sri and Kira begins right here on the 7th Wave Network with Higher Love, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. My guest today is Matthew Fox, author of Christian Mystics and also author of 30 other books, including another one that is releasing entitled The Pope's War. Matthew says, This launching into depths, into the deep ocean of the unconscious and of the great self, which is connected to all things and to the Creator, often gets stymied by Western religions, dogma, guilt trips, and institutional churchiness. The mystic gets starved. Patriarchal culture by itself is unable to tap into the deep feminine aspects of divine wisdom and compassion of the heart. But the mystics, male and female, do not present a one-sided reality as patriarchy does. The yin-yang, female-male, dialectic is alive and well in the mystical tradition. We were speaking about the control that sometimes the the ego of the church can have and how that can be detrimental to us. I'd like to read to you one poem by Dorothy Soleil that is inside of uh, Christian Mystics, 30, 365 Readings and Meditations. Every day I'm afraid that he died in vain because he is buried in our churches because we have betrayed his revolution in our obedience to authority 
and our fear of it. I believe in Jesus Christ, who rises again and again in our lives, so that we will be free from prejudice and arrogance, from fear and hate, and carry on his revolution and make way for his kingdom. And we can listen to the words of Meister Eckhart to take charge of our lives in a new way. And he says, We are fellow helpers with God, co-creators in everything we do. When word and work are returned to their source and origin, then all work is accomplished divinely in God, and there too the soul loses itself in a wonderful enchantment. We are definitely co-creators with God in everything that we do, and divinity is so integral to our work. Matthew, what would you say we as people need to do in terms of really becoming drunk with love so that we can truly become as the mystics are and approach everything in our lives, other people in our lives, and our own religious practice with that same drunkenness that not only Christian mystics speak of, but the Sufis, uh, the Hindus, many of the world religions have a statement such as that. Well, one thing is to... I was once taught by a Native American, if you want to rediscover how sacred water is, go without it for three days. And then with your first sip of water, you'll rediscover the sacredness of water. Mm. I think to meditate with the people in Japan today about what they're experiencing um, from that tsunami and so forth, and now that so much has been taken away from many of them, what really matters? What, what really is the gift of life, ultimately its existence itself, and to think that this special planet feeds us so wonderfully, not only with healthy food, but with color and music and, and beauty in so many ways. Um, you know, all the spiritual truths in the world recommend meditating at times on death and then working back. You know, why wait till death to be grateful for your last breath? Why not... Um, be grateful for every breath, and that is why many meditation practices, of course, focus simply on the breath. We can take breath for granted just because we've got it and because it's invisible. But the truth is that we should be grateful for every single breath that we breathe, and all of our relations are holy. And um, sometimes you have to stop and pause to realize that and be grateful, because we can be overwhelmed by the problems and the burdens and the struggles of life, but to put gratitude first. That's everything. Meister Eckhart says, if the only prayer you say in your whole life is thank you, that would suffice. Mm. And that is quite a strong prayer if we allow <laughs> ourselves to really say it from the heart. Yeah. It seems that another place, too, would be nature, that that would be a really strong place to connect to the heart and connect to mysticism especially in the Western society, because so many people now are locked behind computers, stay inside. Children don't even go outside because they're playing with video games. We've lost a sense of how important nature is for us as a species and in terms of our own religion and spirituality. Well, that's often the case. And um, again, the latest scholarship on Jesus is that he comes from the wisdom tradition of Israel, which is the nature-based mysticism of Israel. And... Uh, his religion was not book-oriented so much as nature-oriented, and that's why so many of his teachings are about nature, whether the arrows are fall from the tree or what have you. So um, that was his path. And 
we can all do that. And I do think that in America, while it's true that we're we're indoors a lot these days, we still have a sense of the sacred wilderness. There's still so much natural beauty uh, in America. And, of course, if we were really in love with this beauty, we would be defending it, and it wouldn't be disappearing uh, as, as uh, concrete paving over uh, the land always, and shopping malls replacing beauty of nature. We would be uh, truly in love. When you're in love, you have the energy to uh, defend what you love, and that's really needed today. We have to cease our couch potato-itis and, um, and uh, awaken and have moral outrage for um, those forces that are, in fact, despoiling nature. Is there a, a, a new perspective that, that Christians need to, to gain in terms of uh, shifting their focus from Jesus died on the cross from our sins to the cosmic Christ that exists within each and every one? Well, absolutely, and that's what I've been writing about for 40 years. The creation spiritual tradition is not about Jesus dying for our sins so much as it is about Jesus dying at the hands of the empire. And uh, we're all dying today at the hands of corporate empires and other kinds of empires. And we have to all stand up like Jesus did. Um, the, uh, the book I wrote, Original Blessing, was to demonstrate that original sin, uh, which so many Christians know about and are told to believe about, uh, was not a concept that Jesus ever heard of. No Jew has ever heard of original sin, and Jesus was a Jew. It was only in the 4th century that that term was used for the very first time, original sin. And yet so much of Western Christianity, not Eastern Christianity, but Western Christianity, has focused on that, um, that ideology that, uh, in fact, makes one pessimistic and makes one doubt one's beauty and right to be here in the world. So, um, yeah, we have to move from a, too much emphasis on, on Jesus uh, dying for sins and more in his teaching, which is that we are all sons and daughters of God with the dignity that's involved in that and the responsibility. Absolutely. We, we are all that light that is in all things, and we are in that divinity of light. We are both the, the wounds and the strengths that exist. And exactly, that we can and we be... are all Christ's. You know, Jesus yes. isn't the only Christ. Every being has this divine light in it and is a, in, therefore another Christ. Or if you're a Buddhist, uh, a, a, a Buddha. So are we all sleeping mystics on some level, just waiting to be awakened? <laughs> well, we are. You know, I begin the book with a quote from Albert Einstein, who was asked toward the end of his life, does he have any regrets in life? And he said, I regret that I did not study the mystics earlier in my life. Mm. So there is a mystic inside of all of us. There is a prophet inside of all of us. Jesus was trying to awaken this, but so was the Buddha. So was Muhammad. Uh, so was Isaiah. Uh, uh, this is what healthy religion does. It awakens the mystic, and, um, and, and with it, then the prophet. And clearly the world needs people who are in love with the world, that's the mystic, and who are, are defending uh, the beauty and the health of the world for future generations, and that is the prophet. 
I would like to thank you very much, Matthew Fox, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. His book is Christian Mystics, 365 Readings and Meditations. And also next month they will be releasing The Pope's War. So definitely put yourself in touch with Matthew Fox at MatthewFox.org. You can also uh, get in touch with some of his other 30 books, uh, particularly The Original Blessing and some of the others, which are absolutely wonderful. Rabbi Abraham Heschel observes that humanity will destroy itself, not from lack of information, but from lack of appreciation. Say the greatest prayer, the strongest prayer that you can possibly say every single day, and that's thank you from the heart. It has been a pleasure to be with you tonight. Thank you from my heart, and until next week, be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.